I want to start off with a bit of a story. Uh, last Sunday, I was, uh, after we'd finished church and we'd headed out into the foyer, uh, you can imagine this foyer if you like to, but it was actually at North Campus Foyer, which is way better than this one, just saying. I'm not biased or anything, but, and we have better coffee and stuff. <laughs> no, I'm get, it's equally good. <laughs> it's equally good. In fact, it's probably better here. I know. It's, it, your coffee's way better, I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyway, so I headed out to the coffee, before I get into any more trouble, headed out to the coffee, headed out to the foyer to have my coffee, and I thought I'd hang out with some of the young adults. So I sat at this table with the young adults, and I sat between Aram and Ethan. Now, Aram is our worship leader at North Campus, does an incredible job, he's a really gifted musician. He's not here to clap, but you can clap him if you want, and maybe he'll hear you. So the person I was on the other side is Ethan. Ethan is also a gifted musician. And so I sat down between them and I started talking. And after about 30 seconds, I start talking about music. So like chords and keys and I don't even know. Stuff I don't care anything about really. Because <laughs> I am not musical at all. For anyone that knows me, I am the polar opposite to a gifted musician. I cannot clap in time. I am tone deaf. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes, I'll even pray for the people who are around me during worship because I'm scared my singing will deeply and permanently impact them and not in a good way. <laughs> so, music, not my forte, something I know nothing about. So we all have those areas in life, don't we? For me, it's music. For some people, it's car engines. You, you jump into your car, you start the car, but it's just basically black magic. You don't know what's happening up there. You just put gas in the tank and turn the key and you go. But who, who yeah. We can... Side story. We once convinced Smaller to go get blinker fluid from Rick <laughs> He couldn't, they were all sold out. So for Muller, it's engines. For me, it's music. <laughs> for some people, it's computers or smartphones or, or tablets. You know, there's always those things in life that, that we don't quite get. You know, you know that they're logical, that you know that they must make sense to some people, but for you, it is just like, this makes no sense at all. So today, our subject is a little bit like that. Now, Sheridan's already touched on it. Today, our subject is... Holy Spirit and His role in the Trinity. So that's not Holy Spirit, His role in our lives. That's Holy Spirit, His life in the Trinity. Now, I don't know about you guys, but every time I hear the word Trinity, I have a small stroke just trying to understand it. It's really confusing. But honestly, that's actually a great place for us to start. It's a great thing for, to, for us to acknowledge is that we will never, ever completely understand our great, big, infinite God with our teeny weeny human brains. Now, if you're new to church and you don't know what I'm talking about and you're going, I don't know what this word Trinity is that he is talking about, I'm going to read a little bit of a, a description for you just so, just so we're all on the same page. So the doctrine of the Trinity, oh, sorry, the doctrine of the Trinity means there is one God who exists in three distinct persons. One God who exists in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Now, you won't actually find the word Trinity in your Bible. That is a word that man came up with to help us grasp, grasp this idea of one God who exists in three distinct people or persons. So before we get into our main topic tonight of the Holy Spirit and his role in eternity, I reckon it's really important we lay some foundations. And the first foundation I want us to lay is what the Trinity actually is. We're never going to be able to completely understand it, but we're going to watch a video by this uh, group called The Bible Project. They're an incredible, incredible group. They put out some incredible material. And so we're going to watch a video by The Bible Project that will help us understand the Trinity a little bit better. And the reason we're doing that is because it would take me four hours to explain about half as much as they do. So we're going to watch that video, and then I'll come back up, eh? So I've got a question that's always bothered me. The Bible says there's one God, but in other parts of the Bible, God is three, Father, Son, and Spirit. How can it be both? Yeah, this is a question that has mystified people for thousands of years. And while we can't fully explain it, I think we can better understand what it is that we can't fully understand. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, think of it this way. Here's a two-dimensional plane. And then here's an object with three dimensions that's going to pass through the 2D plane. Okay, right. From this perspective, the 3D object's above and below the plane. So now it makes sense. But imagine you were a 2D person stuck on the 2D plane. What would you see? I don't know. What would I see? Well, it would look like this. Oh, yeah, okay. From this perspective, it looks impossible. It's one object, and then then two objects, and then three. But in reality, they're all one, just not in a way you're capable of understanding. Now, let's take this whole thing as a visual analogy for how we experience God. The claim in the Bible is that God is transcendent, a divine being through whom we live and move and have our being. Or, as God says, I am. Okay, but I live here in this universe, so when God appears, it will make sense in some ways, but in other ways, it will break my categories. Exactly. This happens all the time when people encounter the God of the Bible. So let's look first at how this happens in the Hebrew Scriptures. Throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, God appears in complicated ways that don't quite fit our categories. One common way this happens is with God's attributes. So an attribute is a way to describe what something is like. For example, a soccer ball is round. Right. Or God is wise. Yeah, great. Let's take God's wisdom. So the book of Proverbs says that God created the world by his wisdom. But then there are also poems in the book of Proverbs that describe God's wisdom as a person, a co-worker through whom God architected the universe. So God's attribute becomes a separate character? Yeah. This also happens with God's glory, which sometimes appears as a human figure on a throne that's engulfed in fire. Or take God's word, which he can speak to people, but sometimes his word appears like a person. Wait, so God's attributes have become new little gods? No, no. The biblical authors believe there's only one all-powerful God. But they're comfortable talking about them as different characters. Yeah, this is part of the way that the biblical authors portray the one God's complex identity. They're God's attributes and also distinct from God. Distinct from God and also God. Yes, Once we learn to spot that way of talking about God's identity, you begin to see it all over the scriptures. In fact, you find it in the first sentences of the Bible that mention the Spirit of God. 
So the opening line of the Bible is pretty familiar. In the beginning, God created. But then keep reading. Who is it that we see within creation hovering over the waters? The Spirit of God. Yeah, so the Spirit refers to God's personal presence and energy that we can interact with here within creation. And so the Bible can refer to God's Spirit as distinct from God. Distinct from God and also God. It's God's Spirit. And while this sounds strange from our point of view, this complexity is what the biblical authors are trying to get us to see. So we've looked at God's attributes and God's Spirit. Now let's make our last stop exploring God's complex identity in the Hebrew Scriptures with a character called the Son of Man. So in the Bible, there's only one God that people are to worship, which makes this story in the book of Daniel really surprising. Daniel has a dream about a human figure called the Son of Man, which means a member of humanity. And Daniel dreams about this human getting elevated on a cloud, up and then higher up. Up into God's space. Yes. And then this human sits at the right hand of God's heavenly throne, and all humanity worships this human alongside God. A human where I expect to see God. Yeah, this human is a part of God's identity. This vision is about the climactic hope of the whole biblical story. God and humanity become one so they can rule the world together as one. So the Son of Man is distinct from God and also God. Exactly. So think back over everything we've looked at. In the Hebrew Scriptures, God's identity is complex. And so when Jesus' followers encountered God as the Father, Son, and the Spirit, they already had categories for how these could all be the one God of the Bible. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, so in the New Testament, we're introduced to Jesus of Nazareth. And he's human, but way more. His favorite title to call himself was the Son of Man. The figure in Daniel's vision. And the claim is that he is this complex God become human to unite other humans with God. Okay, so the Gospels portray Jesus as fully human. And also as Yahweh, the God of Israel. Jesus went around saying and doing things that only Yahweh can do, like forgiving people's sins or calming the chaotic waters. So they're saying Jesus is a human distinct from God and also God. Yeah, and that might sound crazy unless you've been reading the Hebrew scriptures, which prepared you for it. And then check this out. Jesus' first followers, the apostles, talked about his identity using the language of God's attributes. They called Jesus the glory of God, or the apostle Paul called Jesus the wisdom of God. Or John opens his gospel calling Jesus the word of God through whom the world was created. And then he says, the word was with God and was God. Okay, I get what they're doing and it hurts my brain. Totally. And if you want to spin your brain even more, consider this. Jesus, who's portrayed as God become human, would talk to God as a distinct person. And when he did, he called him Father. When Jesus talked about God, he wasn't referring to an abstract force or energy. He was talking about a personal being that you can relate to. There's a lot of personal images of God in the Bible. Ruler, creator, judge. But Jesus consistently referred to God as my father. Jesus experienced God as a source of infinite love. He said, the father has loved me since before the creation of the world. Apparently, Jesus knew the Father as an eternally others-centered, life-giving being. Right, like in the story about Jesus' baptism, when the Father says from heaven, this is my Son whom I love. And then keep reading. In that story, the person who brings that message of love from the Father to the Son is the Spirit of God. 
So we've talked about God's spirit. Here within creation, it's through the spirit that we interact with the divine. Yeah, and the same was true for Jesus. Through the spirit, he experienced the Father's love. But it didn't stop there. Jesus promised that through him, the spirit would go out and share the Father's love with all humanity and with all creation. So it can look like these are three distinct gods, but in some way that transcends my view of reality, they're also one. Right. This is what later followers of Jesus called the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are the one God of the Bible. I could see how they got there. But this isn't just a philosophy puzzle. To describe God as a triunity is to claim that the universe is held together by an eternal community of love. Which is something that I can't really understand. But the God of the Bible isn't a being that you understand. The point is to know and be known by this God so that we can participate in his love. But the God of the Bible isn't a being that you understand. The point is to know and be known by this God so we can participate in his love. Man, I love that. That is so good. I have a, uh, a few main thoughts for us tonight. And the first one is, our humanity will never completely understand the Trinity. So as we've said earlier, our brains aren't just, they're just not big enough. They're not capable of understanding the complexity of who our God is, the, the infinite wonder of who he is. Or as the video puts it, trying to understand it, breaks our categories. So the difficult thing about the concept of the Trinity is that there's no perfect way to completely understand it. The Trinity is a concept that is impossible for any human to fully understand, let alone explain. So you guys should feel sorry for me. (laughs) God is infinitely greater than we are, so there is no way we should expect to be able to fully grasp who he is. The Bible teaches that God is the Father, that God is the Father. Let me just uh, rephrase that. The Bible teaches that the Father is God, that Jesus is God, that the Holy Spirit is God, but there is only one God. Yep, does that hurt your brain? Great. With that in mind, let's move on. All right, so our second main point which Sheridan has already preached a small message on. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Emphasis on person. So let's cover a common misconception about the Holy Spirit that a lot of us have, but we don't necessarily believe. So I know that's a confusing statement to make. But we subconsciously draw conclusions about who or what the Holy Spirit is. We can often think of the Holy Spirit more like a force or a power or an influence rather than a personal being, part of the Trinity. It's easy for us to slip into the mindset of thinking of the Holy Spirit as a what instead of a who. So there's some incredible scriptures in the Bible that help us to see that the Holy Spirit is a personal being. He is not a... Uh, not a power or, or an influence or anything like that. So I'm going to go through some of them. 
Uh, well, I'm going to state them because we just don't have enough time tonight to read through them, but I'm going to state them for you, okay? So scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is a personal being, a personal being who decides things. So that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. A personal being who speaks. That's in John chapter 15, verse 26. A personal being who teaches, and that's in John chapter 14, 26. The Holy Spirit prays for us, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit guides, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit can be lied to, insulted, grieved, and resisted. They are all characteristics and attributes of a personal being, of a person, not a power and not a force. I've lost my place. Ah, no, I haven't. Here we go. My My third and final thought is the Holy Spirit and his role in the Trinity. Now, I know my last point is actually supposed to be what our entire message is about, but it was really important that we laid a good foundation about what the Trinity is and who the Holy Spirit is. Who the Holy Spirit is. Amen? All right. So I read this great quote that will help us to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. Generally, the Father is the leader and sets purpose. The Son secures that purpose, and the Holy Spirit applies that purpose. So the Father is the leader and sets purpose. The Son secures that purpose, and the Holy Spirit applies that purpose. One place we see that is in creation. The Father spoke the world into life. But the Bible says that everything was made through Jesus Christ. And then in Genesis 2, we have this beautiful picture of the Spirit of God hovering over the surface of the waters. When God created man, he made him out of the dust and he breathed into his nostrils and that dust became a living person. The Hebrew word for breath, so the Hebrew word for the breath that God breathed into Adam's nostrils is ruach. Ruach, did I say that right? And the word ruach also means spirit. Probably, most importantly for us as Christians, as we see the Father leading purpose, the Son securing the purpose, and the Spirit applying the purpose in God's plans and purposes to redeem humanity and to redeem you and me. The Father sent Jesus to die on a cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. Jesus said in John chapter 5, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me. The will of the one who sent me. Not my own will. We can see the Son securing the purpose by faithfully going to the cross and dying on the cross to pay for all our past mistakes, pay for our past wrongs, so we can have relationship with God again. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as the Father had planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Jesus' death and resurrection made a way for us to be reconciled to God. But once Jesus had ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit 
to give us power, to give us church power, to give us guidance so we know what to do uh, church-wide and as individuals. John chapter 14 verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity Trinity, actively applying the will of God to our lives. He lives in us and he is the one leading and guiding us every day. Not only does he lead us, does he guide us, but he loves us unconditionally. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as our comforter and our counselor. I want to read uh, John chapter 14, verse 26 to you. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version, which means if you read the Amplified Version, they take a passage of Scripture and then they go, whoop, and make it really, really big just to draw everything out of it. So we're going to read the Amplified Version. So this is Jesus, Jesus talking. But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf will teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything I have told you. In short, the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is that you would encounter and experience God in your everyday life so that you can live the life that God has planned for you. Awesome, eh? Can I, oh, that band disappeared. Oh, so they're there already. Oh, that's magical. You can come back on stage if you like. That'd be awesome. Thanks, team. So uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Have you ever read that and just stopped and paused and pondered? Gone, wow, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in me. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So two things that really stick out to me about that verse. The first one, I've said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The same spirit, the same spirit. I reckon some of you guys need to get that in you today. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Amazing, eh? Secondly, he will give life to your mortal bodies. That's, just a, that's not just a promise we can look forward to when we get to heaven. Or it wouldn't say mortal bodies. That's a promise we can live with here and now. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking again. says, The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The role of the Holy Spirit is to outwork the life that the Father purposed for you and that Jesus came and died on a cross for you to have. Amazing, eh? So we're going to finish soon. But before any one of us walks out the door tonight, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to pay for everything that would ever separate you from him. And then he sent his son, then he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell and to live with us. I want you to know that Jesus didn't just didn't just die on a cross and disappear to heaven after he was resurrected. 
leaving us to live a life of our own devices. He sent the Spirit to live in us. For every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in us. For all believers, the Holy Spirit becomes our helper, our comforter, our advocate, our intercessor. Intercessor means that the Holy Spirit prays to the Father on your behalf. Amazing, eh? He becomes our counsellor and our strengthener. So I want to return to that awesome quote from the Bible Project video. The one that says, the God, oh, the God of the Bible isn't it being you understand. The point is to know and be known by this God so we can participate in His love. 